Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'm joined today by Chelsea Bear, a content creator and disability advocate based in Florida. Now, Chelsea led a career as a publicist for eight years and ultimately began to use social media to share her experiences living with cerebral palsy. And she's one of today's most passionate advocates for disability representation and inclusion. So Chelsea, welcome to Motivational Mondays. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so happy you're here too. You know, well, first of all, I mentioned you were in South Florida uh, or you were in Florida. So I want to make sure you're, how are you with, with the storm? Are you okay? How'd that work out for you guys? I'm actually in the Tampa area. So it was coming directly towards us. And as you know, shifted a little bit. Hmm. I did lose power for a few days, but other than that, definitely can't complain with everything else that's going on for, for my friends in Southwest Florida, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So many people are experiencing devastation. And my brother lives in Tampa as well. So I know that it wasn't as bad there. But my gosh, our hearts go out to everyone else, especially in Fort Myers and uh, Sanibel Island. So thank you. And I'm glad you're safe. So moving forward, though, with your wonderful story, Chelsea. So as I mentioned, you led this thriving career seven years plus, And then I guess around 2001, you changed gears to focus on being a full-time disability advocate and content creator. So what inspired you to make that career trajectory turn? I, as you said, I have cerebral palsy. So it's a disability I've lived with my entire life. And growing up, I was always very involved in school and student government and different leadership, things like that. And through my involvement, I was exposed to a lot of different motivational speakers and leaders and keynote speakers and presenters. And I remember there was kind of a moment in middle school when I was watching someone and I just could have envisioned myself one day doing that. Of course, sharing a little bit about my disability, but then also just kind of my own adversities and, and things like that. So it's kind of always in the back of my mind that I wanted to have a career speaking about topics like this. But after college, I fell into public relations, wanted a full-time stable job, uh, you know, mainly to, to pay the bills. And after seven years of it, I just started using social media as an outlet to just share my story, share things I'm going through. And I didn't have any intention of it growing the way it did, but it did. And I kind of yes. got to a point where I had to decide it was, it was kind of like juggling two full-time jobs. So I had to decide, you know, do I pursue something I'm really passionate about and see what I could do with it? Or do I stick with this career that I had created for myself for the past seven or so years so I kind of made the decision to to go all into this content creation and advocacy stuff and so far haven't, you know, regretted it since. Well, I was going to say, I mean, apparently in two years, you went from 1,000 Instagram followers to 315,000 Instagram followers. So uh, there's so many things that could 
of course, contribute to that. But I think one of the most obvious is that there was a a desire for, I guess, people to learn more about what you were discussing when it comes to disability representation and inclusion. So what do you think was the main thing? I mean, that was my assessment. But what do you think was the main thing that drove those numbers so quickly, in your opinion? I think authenticity. Um, I've always approached my profile just being real and honest about what it is I'm going through. And, you know, for me, if you see a video of me walking, you could tell right away that I have a disability. So throughout my life, you know, whenever I walk into a room, there's always going to be people staring at me. And I kind of use that same in-person model on social media by saying, you know, if people, if they're scrolling and they see a video of me walking, they're automatically going to start having questions or try to understand what's going on. So while I have their attention, I, I wanted to attach greater messages to that about disability representation and topics to really ultimately break down things that people would traditionally feel uncomfortable talking about and make it kind of comfortable and lighthearted for people to digest and understand. Yes, you have a wonderful Instagram account. So those Thank numbers, you. obviously, you're welcome. Those <laughs> uh, those numbers obviously grew with uh, general interest because I went there in preparing for this interview like a couple of days ago. And I was like, yeah, this is, I feel better with her posts. I mean, the positive messaging. And it was interesting because it transcends people with disabilities, really. It, it's become, it, you know, it, it, for me, it was like about anything in positivity, how that can impact your life and make a positive difference. And you did give me a great segue here, though, about something. You mentioned when you walk into a room, it's obvious you have a disability and you're, because you've, you were born with this disability, you're used to people staring or stopping and looking or what have you. And I began to think when I thought about this in preparation for the interview, that the main reason I think people don't know what to say or do when they encounter someone with a disability is because we've been programmed as a society to kind of other those people, right? To other the people with disabilities instead of encouraging respectful conversation about, well, a child may say to his parent, well, mom, why is that woman walking that way? Oh, well, that's because, and I thought a very simple thing is, that's because the body does a lot of different things, including creating different variations of itself. And that's one of them. Now, eat your peas. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yes. right. it, it, like if we just like did that. So what, what's your thought on just like normalizing that the body does different things? Yeah. Oh, 1000%. And a big part of my platform and what I live in my daily life is just it really comes down to education and awareness, because I think a lot of the people that don't know how to approach disability. It's for that reason in itself. They're not familiar. They don't know anyone in their life with a disability. They haven't had it talked either to them about or with them about. And even media in itself, you know, I'm starting to see more disability representation, but beyond, you know, for years, and it's still very minimal for me to watch a movie and see someone with a walker or a scooter, just it wasn't happening. So I think absolutely, the more people know about it and talk about it, especially with kids, you know, it, it upsets me when parents shush their kids. And when they ask questions, because right. you're, they're naturally curious, and it makes sense, you know, I, I would be too. So I think exactly like just educating them and treating it as any other topic that you would educate anyone on and just making it more digestible and and helping real people realize it's not 
a scary thing. It's just part of life. Yeah, absolutely. And I recall uh, uh, as a child encountering another child who I don't know what the actual syndrome is, but it's it's when they, the child looks prematurely aged, like they, they look elderly. It's some sort of I'm not sure actually what the origin of the disease would be. But um, as a child, I encountered someone with this and I remember the whole like, you know, don't don't look and, and don't. It was like this panic. And I was had a genuine curiosity and I really wish the grownups in the room had handled that better. So I have a reference for, you know, how I try to handle those situations with kids. You raise a great point there. It starts with the kids having to be, you know, sort of, it has to be addressed better with, with children. And you also gave me another segue again, because you mentioned TV representation. And I know that you were quite excited about the cast of Dancing with the Stars this season. Yes. <laughs> so please share a little bit about why you were so elated by that. Yeah. So if anyone listening isn't familiar, Dancing with the Stars did something incredible this season. They actually have two celebrities on the show that have disabilities. Um, so one of them is a deaf actor, Daniel Durant. And watching him perform the past couple weeks has been incredible because, of course, he can't hear the music. So just hearing and watching him perform in such ways and having to adapt is so empowering. You know, even while I'm not deaf, I have that understanding of the need to adapt and figure out ways to do things that are best for you. And then there's also Selma Blair, who is an actress, um, you know, has been for, for years, very famous. And she's been very open about her diagnosis with MS, Mm -hmm. um, which, which does physically impact you. And, and she's shared, you know, her experiences of having to adapt in that way and learn her body in ways that she didn't traditionally think she could even move anymore. Um, so just having that representation for me, you know, I, I'm not a crier. I don't get emotional. But the first episode uh, watching her dance, like I, I did, I got emotional. And I think it's because that is so rare to to see that, especially on such a large scale. Yeah, absolutely. It's very similar to uh, part of my past. I worked in fashion. And um, so something from the 90s that I had, uh, none of us had ever seen would be models who have disabilities on the runway. And um, you see representation now from brands who are not only including people with disabilities, but really just inclusivity of different body types and different body situations. And I think that is a little bit of that thing we need to do societally to start to normalize what we were saying earlier, that the body has different conditions. We all have different ones, you know? And I know that uh, when it comes to the idea of just people having limitations put on them by others, I think that's something I've noticed too with disabilities. I interviewed a um, gentleman just uh, two weeks ago named Aaron Golub, and he is legally blind. He's the first legally, well, the only legally blind person to have gotten to an NFL draft. So literally, he says he's got 20% vision in one eye and no vision in the other eye. And he's like the star athlete. But people told him he couldn't, but he believed he could. So he kept going. So talk about, I know you are big on being your own advocate and the importance of advocating for yourself. So please share with me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think... Advocating for yourself is just so important. And for me personally, living with a disability, I think everyone I meet or have met throughout my life, I felt that I always needed to kind of go beyond the norm to prove myself, even in basic ways. Like I I remember even being 
in in college and one of my professors you know would kind of treat me differently than the other students just because of of my disability and while my while my personal disability doesn't impact me you know intellectually i was able to still perform and and um you know just be at the same level as my classmates but i still felt I, I felt very upset when my professor would treat me differently just because of that. But advocating for yourself means standing up for yourself and knowing your worth and knowing what you deserve, um, you know, you no know, matter the setting, whether you're in college or you're working for an organization or a company. Um, you know, I think for me, I was always shockingly a very quiet person especially when I started my career and I kind of just did things behind the scenes. I did my job. I did it well, but I wasn't advocating for myself in, you know, maybe I can take on more responsibility, but they didn't think I could because of my disability. So once I started kind of being more comfortable with myself and the thing that makes me different and I started speaking up more, I just felt a lot more empowered and was given more opportunities because I was standing up for myself and just saying what it is that I needed and what I felt that I I deserved. Okay, so here's an amazing parallel from what you just said and something else. I'm, I'm bringing up past guests who were like in the past few days because the past few weeks, they're so relevant to what you're saying. Yeah. So I had MSNBC uh, reporter, uh, Daniela Pierre Bravo on, and she was discussing her new book called The Other. And it specifically talks about women of color in the workplace and how they have to claim who they are and show up as their most authentic selves. But most of them have not been doing that because now they have sort of internalized all the stuff that's been put on them in their life situation. So as you said, you sort of, in a way, you were sort of like fading back. You were fine being sort of in the background, being effective, but not the front person. And I guess my question is, would you agree then or not that a lot of that was sort of you were responding to pretty much how society and that professor had been treating you up to that point? Absolutely. I think a big part of how I acted was the response to society and, and kind of the buckets that were naturally put into. I think in, in my personal life, like I, I kind of was similar, but I always did try to do little things to kind of prove to myself like, oh, I can, I can do this. You know, an example is zip lining. Like traditionally, do I, did I think I can climb 40, flights of stairs and zip line and, you know, do all of that. No, but I did it to kind of challenge and also prove to myself that this is something I could do. And I think things like that in the workplace, I was kind of more wary of because then you have, you know, the, the company structure and what are other people going to think and will this limit my progress? So, so absolutely. I think I had to, and I still do, you know, actively fight against what, box I traditionally should be in and where should, where do I feel I actually should be? Right. Yeah. And that's exactly how she defines how women of color in the workplace have to resolve the, that issue as well. It's amazing that inter, that intersectionality because yeah. she says what has to happen is you have to decide I'm worthy. I'm worth this. I'm talented and I'm going to just show up and let them deal with <laughs> whatever they're going through. Right. But I'm going to do what I have to do, 
Exactly. Because, you know, as as ideal as it would be, I'd love if someone, you know, above me would come down and take me under their wing and pave the way. But in reality, that's not going to happen for most people. So you just need to be the one to to do it for yourself. Amen, sister. Make it happen for you. And let's just say for truthfully, um, I don't even have a disability, but I'm never going to sit blind. So let's just <laughs> let's just give you bravery kudos as yeah. well for that. <laughs> Thank um, you. So you're welcome. And another a uh, few other points I want to touch on that I know are sort of key talking points when you are speaking to people about your work. The notion of being inspiring versus motivating and shifting the perspectives around disability. I mean, I know we, te- we we touched on that a little bit, but share what you mean by inspiring versus motivating. Yeah, I love this topic because even for me, I didn't fully realize the difference between the two words um, until I truly dove into the space of sharing my story online. But so I think, you know, traditionally people with disabilities and going back to representation in media, Disabilities were traditionally told as stories that you're overcoming, you're doing something great and amazing just by solely existing. And I think the disability community and other advocates and myself were trying to kind of shift that narrative that just because I'm existing with my disability doesn't make me an inspiration. You know, I get people all the time messaging me saying, wow, I would never do what you could do. And it's something as simple as, you know, me getting a coffee from Starbucks. So, you know, I think it's just shifting that narrative. And then also for me, you know, when I hear inspiring, yes, I'm, I'm, honored to be an inspiration to people. But what I want to do is create action. And I think the word motivation shifts that action. You know, you can be inspiring, see me, see someone else with a disability, maybe it warms your heart, you like and share posts and then move on with your day. Whereas motivation, you can see something and read it and then carry that with you in your day to day. And and maybe, you know, when you have your next interaction with someone with a disability or even not, you're a little kinder or you're advocating when you walk into a restaurant and notice there's not a ramp there. Um, so, so to me, that's, that's kind of the main difference is actually taking action. And that's where I associate the word motivation. And I think you just gave me my perfect soundbite to promote this episode with that, uh, <laughs> because I mean, you pretty much nailed our whole purpose, right? It's like, these are great stories, but we hope we're changing mindset and inspiring people to actually then have a call to action to do something. So I think that's a great distinction. So I'm really glad you made that. It's really important. And we tapped into this a little bit when I mentioned Daniela Pierre Bravo's book, but celebrating authenticity. In her context, it was ethnicity. Uh, in your context, it's your physical body, who you are, what you are. And you're, and you say embracing you and what makes you is the way to go. So tap into that a little bit for us, if you will. Absolutely. I, I think, and I, I touched on it a little earlier, just saying how I was such kind of like a quiet and timid person. And as I said, I've always had my disability. It's one I've had since birth. And it's one that I always thought that I accepted. And to give you some context, you know, if someone were to come up to me and ask about my disability, I'd be kind of an open book about it. I'd welcome the questions but then, you know, the older I got and I'm meeting more new people, you know, I realized people don't really feel comfortable walking up to me and saying, you know, 
maybe what's wrong with you or, or why do you walk like that? So that's when I had the shift in myself to start proactively sharing my story and just helping kind of break down those barriers. And through that, you know, I'm writing a lot, I'm creating videos and photos and talking about topics I didn't traditionally talk about in my personal relationships and and with my loved ones. And it really forced me to explore parts of myself that were always there, but just never really again, proactively put out there. So by tapping into who I am as a person and externally sharing that, I've been able to be a more authentic version of myself. And then with that, you know, every, I I just feel more empowered in my day-to-day life because I'm, I'm being me, I'm being who I am. And I'm also standing up for myself because traditionally before I would just let things kind of go under the rug or I I wouldn't bring them to attention. I would mold to fit the world around me versus now having this understanding that, you know, I should hold other people accountable to adapting or being welcoming to people with disabilities. So long story short, just the, the more I've become myself, the more I've felt empowered to share these stories uplift others, amplify other causes related to this. And I think it goes to anybody, whether you have a disability or not, when you feel comfortable in yourself and you understand yourself and you do the internal work, you'll be able to show up for those around you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Wonderful closing words from Chelsea Bear. And uh, it's been a truly, truly delightful conversation with you that I was looking forward to having. <laughs> so- Me too. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, you're very welcome. And we really appreciate you being here today with us on Motivational Mondays. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.